COVID has affected us all, and with all the negativity surrounding it, it's often hard to find the positive. One of the blessings it has given us is the opportunity to build an avenue for creating change, starting right here in our community. Discussing topics that affect us most, such as racism in healthcare, maintaining a positive mindset, creating change, the importance of advocacy, and the many lessons we have all learned from COVID. If you or your organization are interested in speaking engagements, send a message to quadcast99 at gmail.com, reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Guys, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and these are trying times. It's hard on our mental health, our mental state, and this is why I love our sponsor today, BetterHelp. They're the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. It's brilliant. Sign up today. Go to betterhelp.com backslash solving healthcare and get 10% off sign up fees. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Kwadjo Karamante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Quadcast Nation, solving wellness community. You ask and we deliver. We got the one and only doctor, Catherine Caramantang in the mix. How are you, my wife? <laughs> Good. As always. As always. Well, yeah. I'm better than usual because we're on vacation. We're on vacation. Listen, yep. we just relaxed. To, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm there. We have two out of three children. Which is great, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even though we miss him a little bit, Teddy, we miss you a little bit, buddy. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna come back soon. It'll be yeah. good. Uh, you uh, can't miss him till they're gone, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's that expression for a reason. Listen, yeah. we uh, solving wellness. Those that don't know, healthcare providers, we are looking at reducing burnout. So we have a virtual platform where we are trying to create that community feel. So we here we got workouts. Yoga, which Kathy, you've been busting out weekly on Thursday nights. Thank you. Nutrition tips, nutrition advice, mindful meditation, and our first Q&A session. This is what it's all about. We're trying to deliver and then really do our part to reduce burnout. We're collectively physician psychologists. What a team. And parents, healthcare workers living through the pandemic with you all. So I, I think when you came up with this idea about the Q&A sessions, I thought, you know, besides just like our professional capacity that we, I mean, we battle with a lot of the same issues that have come up. Yeah. Like the questions today, these are things that we have totally firsthand experience with as well. So 100%. hopefully we can help. Absolutely. Maybe we should start off. How, how are we feeling? How collectively, I know it's, uh, we're on vacation, but do you know, how, how are we doing as a, a family unit? I feel I feel like summer was like a the TSN turning point for us. You know, like as soon as kids started up in camps, like I don't know, I I noticed a big difference in our family. You slowed down at work a little bit, which was nice, like as the third wave wound down. 
And uh, it's been busy at work for you. There's, there's been a lot of ICU time. So you kind of slowed down. We knew we were heading into some vacation. So there's a big relief with that. And then, and then me having some vacation time. But then most importantly, I think the kids being able to get out of the house and do real activities again. I, I think we've noticed a difference in mental health in, in our kids for sure. Yeah, we no. were lucky. We were lucky our kids didn't suffer like mental health problems. Oh, sorry. I hear my phone on. Professional. Yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're not going to edit this out there too. Uh, no, no. Yeah. Well, this is, isn't this, isn't this real life, right? This is real um, life. Okay. It sounds like, so, um, I think, uh, our kids have, uh, uh, have been lucky. We, we've been lucky. Our kids haven't suffered like maybe a diagnosable mental health problem, but we've noticed that our kids have struggled and behavior has changed over the pandemic and especially over this last lockdown and, and the lockdown before that as well, actually the January one where the schools were shut down. So for me, I, that for me as a parent provides me a big sense of relief when I see, the kids doing better, obviously. Oh man. Like, yeah. uh, you know, a couple of moments for the kids when, when Zeke are two, you know, soon to be three-year-old, holy cow, three in a couple of days, uh, when he first started going to daycare and the change in him and realizing oh, yeah. that he just was missing that social interaction. Um, seeing, that was the biggest change. I think. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. And then just seeing our eldest has moved just totally, you know, I think it just uh, did a significant improvement. And then Marlo, I think, you know, I think he's enjoyed being able to be social again in his own way. Yeah. Once he, once he finds a friend, he's always a bit uncomfortable to get started. And that's actually something I noticed with the, the shift from, cause our, our Marlo's in camp in Quebec right now. And so it, where we have our vacation spot. So, so in Quebec, all the kids have been in school for the past several months, but Marlo started back at camp in Quebec here and he hasn't been in school. So his nerves were up. He's a kid that has trouble transitioning. He has trouble with change, trouble with things that are new and he gets overwhelmed uh, and shy quite easily, even though he's quite an outgoing, you know, active child. Um, anyway, so he, I think he, um, I think there was an impact of that on him, but once he gets into, once he's gotten into it, he's, actually come home with some pretty big smiles on his face so yeah, I agree. what a relief what a relief anyway there's a lot we could be talking about uh in terms of how you know this pandemic's affected our family but one thing uh i want to emphasize is how lucky we are uh based on the fact that uh we have resources and grandma is in the house by the way too by the way yeah. we can't forget about we brought brought in reinforcements yeah, I was going to say, you know, one one thing, I mean, we have to give a shout out to my mom here. Like, I Most mean, deaf. she is Most just deaf. like literally an angel from heaven helping us out with this last uh, lockdown. But, you know, and we're lucky. We're lucky we have that type of support that can be in our home and a grandparent that with one shot was willing to fly across the country to come and help us out, you know, and, you know, everyone can have their opinion about whether or not we should have been crossing borders and stuff like that then. But the truth is, is that we were about to head into a really, really challenging time and it was a tough decision. It's hard for me to ask for help. And uh, I think that maybe speaks to like some of the questions that we're going to answer today, um, that it's, it's hard for me to say, 
yes, I'm struggling. Yes, we are going to struggle. Yes, we need help. And when she offered, I had to take 24 hours. I, I slept on it and I thought about it. And I thought, you know, what makes me think that this lockdown is going to be any easier than any of the other school lockdowns where I start off good and then, and then it just kind of tanks quickly. And uh, anyway, so it's hard to ask for help, but I'm, I'm grateful that, that we did. Listen, I had no help, no worries asking yeah. for help. Shit. <laughs> you don't Lizard. have trouble with that. Listen, you're going to ask, I mean, you saw the hours we were working and then, uh, you know, it's not like the psychological uh, services were, were under, like, like uh, the demand was low. You know, like it was, there was a lot of demand for both of us. So we all stepped up and part of that was needing help. And we reached out and I'm very grateful for grandma. Thank you. Um, it just allowed us to do our jobs that much more better. That's, you know, yeah. So. And come out of it on the other end, like, okay. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Okay, these long-awaited questions. Listen, my question is: This is from uh, one of the ICU uh, RNs. Uh, actually, two of them, but the same question. My question is: How do you fit in working out, working twelve-hour shifts, doing chores, having young kids at home? Basically, how do you create that balance when there's so much going on um, in life? Do you want to tackle this one first, there, mommy? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is what we're trying to target with solving wellness by targeting it towards healthcare professionals is we know that these are all of the challenges that everybody's facing. And this is why a lot of the content on there is shorter, short burst workouts, uh, which a few people have commented are, are quite helpful, uh, you know, wellness activities and then like food prep and things like that for, for shift workers. Um, but I, I would say that this, I wasn't surprised that this question came through. I think this is probably the biggest thing that people struggle with. Uh, in many jobs, but healthcare especially. Um, and uh, certainly I'm part of some other fitness groups on Facebook and that type of thing. And this question comes up a lot, just, you know, about people who work shift work. And uh, I think for all I can speak to is sort of what's, what's worked for us with demanding schedules. And I think some, some really important things are to recognize that there will be days where you can do way less and days where you can do more. So typically if you're working 12 hour shifts, you're not doing that five or six days a week. You're probably doing that maybe four days a week, hopefully maybe five. I, I think some people are doing that five days a week. Um, but recognizing that on those heavier days that then also there's kids activities in the evening that like you take the expectation off of yourself to do a big workout, to make a really big healthy meal those days. And you shift your expectations of doing that type of thing. You shift that more into your days off. And I think when we talk about big workouts, like, you know, I think we have to take the expectation off that we're going to do two hours at the gym. You know, these short burst workouts are kind of the way to go. And if you can only fit in those 30 minute workouts on your off days, 
um, then how are some other ways that you can fit in little smaller bursts of activity or more steady activity over the course of your day? So, you know, do you have a step counter uh, on your 12 hour shift days? Are there ways that you can get more steps in? Um, if you're, one thing I wrote down here is active rest. So, you know, if you're watching TV in the evening, you know, can you work in just some stretching and some yoga or some, you know, general sort of plyometric type of workout for just for the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes that you're watching TV before you settle into rest mode. Um, and, you know, just doing something. So sometimes I think there's a habit thing and we get into the habit of not doing things on our days off. And I'm saying set the expectation low, but just the idea of doing something. So one thing that really changed my life in terms of yoga was when my yoga teacher teacher, the one who taught me how to be a yoga teacher, told me just get to the mat like just get to your mat. And if all you do is sit on your mat in child's pose or shasana, what's that? Nudge. It's just a nudge. Just get to the, just get, just to, the get mat. to the mat. And and you might literally only do that for the day, but you've kept up the habit of going and you've gotten some benefit of, of getting to the mat. And more than often what you find is you get to the mat and you end up doing a little bit more than you thought you would be be capable of that day. So for the days on where it's hard to fit it in, the step counter, the active rest, the just doing something, um, just getting to the mat type thing or whatever it is for you, uh, that that's sort of what came to mind for me. And then the other, for the days off, maybe planning a few more things, planning your meal prep, planning an extra workout and trying to pair things up. I think we do this a lot with, uh, with, with our family um, and in our lives is that we try to pair up like socialization with exercise. So we do exercise with, well, I do it more, I think, than you, but I do exercise with uh, people in our neighborhood with with neighbors, and so that's my socialization with them. Going for walks with neighbors, doing yoga okay. classes, Zumba, <laughs> right? That type of thing. Shout out to to the Zumba to crew. Zara, Zara and Zumba Zara. crew, and on Courtney. Yeah, Courtney has an active Zumba program. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, just and then the other thing I think that's helped with us is switching off. So taking turns with your partner. So I'll be like, hey, this is we're both off. We've got the kids in the evening or on a weekend. And it's like, hey, you go do your workout. And then as soon as you're done, you're back on with the kids and I'll go do my workout. So being able to sort of make a plan if you're lucky to have a partner that's off with you at the same time uh, to do that. I like it. A lot of gems in there. A couple of things I'll reinforce. High intensity interval training, very underrated. As good, if not better than a long sustained cardio. You could find, I mean, our website, we got tons of workout thanks to Pete Shaw and um, and Pierre. Um, like, honestly, you could, you could get amazing benefits. I like the stacking. Like, one of the things I've seen a few crew do on at work is on your breaks, just go for a walk. Absolutely. Just go outside, put on a podcast, put on some music, go for a walk, get your steps in. Man, you'll feel better. Great energy. Uh, the other thing I would say is as much as you can uh, delegate off some tasks, like if, you know, if you can't afford it, if you could get somebody to mow your lawn, do your uh, shovel your snow, that's that much more energy you have for either being for your wellness, for your kids, for you getting exercise, for you doing your meal prep. Honestly, it's it, it seems like 
the way I look at it is it's an investment. Um, I think also that whole prep idea too, of like just really giving yourself the recipes for success, have your gym equipment out right away first thing in the morning, uh, you know, just right beside your bed. That's an, an, like a nice, easy one, you know, really thinking about on that Sunday or before your, your four day run of uh, work, uh, having your, that meal prep, like knowing exactly what you're going to eat for lunch, man, it, it, that's a game. That's a game winner. And then having some sustainable way of you appro- approaching your diet. Like, you know, we talk a lot about intermittent fasting. It's not for everybody, but maybe it is for you. You know, whether that's low carb, whether that's just sticking to whole foods, like uh, no processed foods, whatever it might be, just whatever you choose, make sure it's sustainable for you and start winning because you could do it. Yeah. Do I, it. One thing that I do for, for meals, especially for work, is if I find, I have a couple things in the house that are like, easy and I know sort of what the calorie and and macro content of them are, uh, that I can like make a really quick lunch if we don't have enough leftovers or if we don't have healthy leftovers. Cause I try to eat really healthy for lunch. Um, and then that gives me a bit more room at dinner time. Right. And, and so, um, I just keep like cans of tuna in the house and I have like a, a low fat olive oil mayonnaise or whatever mustard that I mix in with that. And then I have that with salad for lunch. That's an easy quick grab type of thing. And um, literally you can bring the can of tuna to work. I also keep healthy stuff at work. Yeah, I don't know if that's possible for, for everyone who works shifts. Um, but another thing that I'll do if I'm working a few days in a row is I'll bring my lunches in for those few days on the first day. And so I've packed, I've packed lunch once it took me a little bit longer, but then the next two, three days that I'm working, I don't have to think about bringing in lunch. I just go to work and it's already there in the fridge. So that's not possible for everyone. If you don't have those facilities at work to keep that. Um, but if it is, or even just keeping those lunches in the fridge that are already pre-made for those days, uh, can be, can be a way to make that a little bit easier. Yeah. a lot of it is planning ahead and thinking about it. But then I think the other part of it is like letting it go uh, and having quick solutions when you haven't planned ahead and you haven't thought about it because we all run into that. Like we'd all love to do the perfect meal prep for the week on Sunday before we start work, but it just doesn't always happen that way. You know, you don't always have the chance to do that. So being flexible with yourself and having in your mind the quick substitute options. So I don't have time for my hour workout today, but I have 20 minutes. Okay. On my phone, I have a list of three 20 minute workouts that I know that I enjoy that I can grab quickly and just slam out, you know, so you're not having to go and like search on YouTube or search on solving wellness for the specific one. You just have a couple go-tos to, to get that workout out quickly. You remove the barriers basically. Word. Creating wins. Yeah. Okay. The other thing, uh, the other thing on that one, uh, is that I, and I just wanted to spend a little bit more time on this one. Cause I think it's an issue that comes up so much, but the other thing on that one is the difference between having time, uh, in your schedule and motivation. So a lot of people sort of struggle with both of those things. And I just want to remind everyone that motivation, a lot of people think that motivation comes first before you do something, but actually the first thing that you need, like in the cognitive structure of doing a task of, of activating a behavior is initiation. You have to get started first and then motivation often kicks in. 
So sometimes we feel the motivation beforehand, but that's usually because we've developed a habit and the event was rewarding. And so we want to go do it again. And we have that memory that's kind of being activated and that's sort of our initiation. But to start an activity, the first thing we need is initiation. So that's where leaving your shoes like at the foot of your bed or leaving your workout equipment out, you know, or having it written on your mirror or something like that, or having the, the workout teed up for the next morning. So you like stumble out of bed, press a button on your coffee maker and press a button to turn on the TV and boom, your workouts there. Like just that, that sort of initiation can get you started. And then the motivation kicks in afterwards. Um, so some of those things we talked about were more scheduling wise, but also in terms of motivation initiation, there's a lot of ways to, to get yourself going into the habit. I like that initiation, get going. <laughs> yes. That's what initiation <laughs> means. <laughs> uh, love you so All much. Right. Okay. Um, I like this question. How to optim how to optimally use technology, technology slash social media in a way that doesn't interfere with the rest of life. Do you want me to? Uh, yeah. Why do don't you start on that one? Well, I mean, I, there's so many. <laughs> Quajo, how do you this. not let social media interfere in your life? <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's two, it's something we struggle with, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the question is probably more focused on the social media, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, like yeah. the, I think the technology, well, uh, I'll, I'll just stick with the social media. I think if you're going to be optimal with it, it's like anything else. If you could just kind of allocate time for it, like there's no way you're not going to like you got, I mean, you got to stay with the times. Like this is, I mean, this is part of like connecting with people these days, especially during the pandemic is through social media. You know, mm -hmm. I, we, you know, you and I have left home uh, 16 years ago and we've seen our, our, you know, godchildren and, 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 friends and seeing their kids grow up through social media. And it's been a great way of staying connected. The thing is it's heavily addicted. It, uh, a lot of it, depending on which social media you're using can be, you know, negative, negative, pull away from family. It could also like, you know, get you into some conf like uh, tie into some conflict. It's very like Twitter world is very tribalistic. Uh, you know, you're on one side or the other and you know, you've seen, how we've all like personally, I've been falling victim to some of that. Um, but to me, if you're going to be, and, and don't get me wrong when I'm saying this, cause I know my wife's going to say this, like I'm not the best period. Um, but to me, it's like having that time allocated to it. You know, it's almost like sometimes what I, what I often do, if I got some deep work that I need to be doing, I could use it as a reward. Like uh, I like that, uh, that 25 minutes, on five minute break um, approach to some of the deep work. So you go tell yourself you're going to do everything for you want for 25 minutes, that five minutes afterwards, I could go on my Twitter feed, retweet, send off the things that was, that's been pressing, check out how we're doing on the Instagram feed, something like that. But I think having that kind of being like uh, planning ahead of time, almost how you're going to be approaching your, your uh, social media is intelligent. The other thing that we're trying to sneak into our house is like screen free time, which we're sort of sneaking in there, like near dinner we're time. Back on it, yeah. Yeah, near dinner time, like just put the phones away. Um, I think this is uh, this is great. I think it, you know, when the kids see a, uh, you know, dad, check me out, and I'm in mid message. I think the that's not a great thing. <laughs> 
And then once again, I'm not going to pretend that I've been great at that all the time. Um, so, you know, this is, I'm part of the, uh, like, I'm definitely with all of y'all that have that as a concern. Um, the other, the other thing that this is a minor tweak, but I actually think it helps is, uh, using your, a watch like the, I don't know if you'll agree with this one, but you're much less likely to check your Twitter or to send a message back or just be attached to your phone when it's not on you. So yes, you know, especially on call, I might get a message to my phone or whatever, and I know I, I got to deal with it. But if there's like a, a tw- like a, I'm less likely to go on social media if my phone is down and I'm just using my, I just have my iWatch, Apple Watch to stay connected. Well, yeah, because um, what happens if you, like, if you are answering a message, I mean, we've all been falling victim to this. You're answering a text message. And you go on and you have a text message. Oh, yeah, I saw one from someone else. So they sent me a tweet. Oh, I click on that. And then you get caught up in the Twitter sphere or, you know, onto Facebook or whatever, where like, I think you're right. If you're on your if you're on your watch, you just quickly answer the message or not if you mm-hmm. don't need to. And you don't actually pick up your phone and have all of that available to you. Exactly. So I've noticed that helps, too. The only thing with the watch is that like there's a time and a place to turn it off as well. The notifications. Cause like when you're out for dinner with someone and they're always looking at their watch cause it's constantly buzzing because they're getting messages. Like, it's just like your phone. There's a time and a place to, yeah, to and it looks them. It looks offside sometimes. It does, but yeah. the, uh, the other thing is like you, you really should limit your notifications on your phone. Yeah. Like real, yeah. like honestly, like I, I no email for sure. Um, the one that I got to get rid of is like the uh, iMessage or not iMessage, sorry, like the uh, Facebook messages. Mm. Like if someone sends me that, I'll, I'll get notification. Uh, you, it's not necessary. But some people, if they're mentioned on Facebook or mentioned on Twitter, they get notified. Yeah, that is like, I think, toxic in my humble opinion. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That's one thing that I put down is to remove all your notifications from social media, like any social media. And the only notification that I get on my phone is, uh, from phone calls and from, from text messages. Um, actually I was just talking to my mom the other day about like, is there a way to, you know, how you can like kind of set a vacation notice on your email, or you can like send a notice on your email that you only respond to emails within certain times doing the same thing with, with text messages. Like, is there a way for you to do that? I don't, I don't know. Well, they got the, well maybe cause you got the car one whenever you I know. Go. Well, that's what she was saying. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I don't know if anybody knows they can, they can let us know, send us a message. Yeah, and send let us, us know. a message. But like that, gmail.com. Yeah, that that idea that idea of of being able to turn it on, um, and then I don't know what that was, I was like you're bouncing just, a basketball. I, just, I had a rhythm in, in my mind where I was like, when I was like, I went quagat nine nine gmail dot com. Then I went, boom, boom, boom. I don't know. I just the rhythm was was there. It looked like you were like bouncing a basketball. I mean, that's oh no, that's that's because you don't play basketball. There's no bouncing no, the ball like this, it. man. It's all <laughs> yeah, like fingers. Not- well, it's the, the rhythm, though, the rhythm. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the other thing is um, you can set limits on your phone to use. Yeah, you're uh, good at that one. These things, I, yeah, I set limits. I don't always adhere to them, but I've gotten better at, like, if I add more time. So you get, on an iPhone anyways, you can set a limit. And then after you've used certain apps for a certain amount of time, you decide how much time per day then, uh, and then you can also set like a nighttime 
feature, like where you like a bedtime feature. So you have a wind down time where those apps become unavailable and you have to like hit a button and say, you want to exempt yourself from that for, for the day. So you have two choices in there. You can uh, use it for 15 more minutes, or you can say, just use it indefinitely, like just to remove that, that the block or whatever for the day. And so I've gotten better at just hitting the 15 minute one if I need to extend it. Like, you know, you're reading an article on Facebook or something like that. You just want to finish the article. So rather than saying like, you know, screw this limit, I'm going to like, cause then you get caught up in it. If you hit the 15 minute one and then it goes off again, like you think twice about hitting the 15 minute one again, you know? So just a couple little things like that. And I, th- I think it all, I mean, this is really personal advice. Like I think you all, you have to figure out what works for you, but setting limits, removing the notifications. I was going to say taking active breaks from social media. So taking like a day off or a week off of Facebook or whatever, and like literally delete it from your phone. Don't even have it on there and blocked or on the last page, but delete it from your phone. A lot of people don't have Facebook and that on their phone anyway. They only access it when they're on their computer, which you tend not to get as sucked into it because you need to move away. Yeah. So that, that one I've heard from people is really, uh, helpful. Um, and, uh, and if you take longer breaks from it, I think a lot of people find that, um, that they just like sort of break the habit, um, which is really what this is about. Like, I mean, how much Bondi beach rescue did I watch over this last shutdown? Listen, that that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. And I know why you're watching it. It's all those Aussie bodies. Oh my gosh. It was so, it was so not even about that because like I'm married to you and you're, you're perfect. But, um, I, it was, it was, uh, it was honestly about like the thrill of watching them save drowning people in the water. I don't know what it was, but anyways, if you, if you, like I had to get myself, that was during the lockdown. That was a tough time, but. That was yesterday. <laughs> it's not that ne- no, no, it's, <laughs> it's not that Jesus. I never watch it anymore, but I don't watch it like as sort of obsessively. And it was about breaking the habit. Like I had to physically take a break from the phone and from clicking on those links and stuff. And then you just break the habit and it's gone. Yeah. Anyway, so both of us have issues with it. Clearly you with Twitter and me with Bondi beach. Oh man. But oh my God. I must say though, I don't know if it's too was much such a nice, like gluttonous, like a luxury that I allowed myself during this last lockdown. Oh man. I was thinking about that too. Like remember those days where you could just freaking veg on the couch and just binge watch something? Oh my gosh. Remember Sundays when we used to watch football from like 11 o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night, we'd order in food and do nothing. Do nothing. We'd have like 40 steps. We would roll (laughs) to places. And remember the Grand Theft Theft Auto, that Christmas holidays? Oh, that was great. That was so good. Shout we didn't like. I remember opening the blinds, the like blackout blinds, and we were like, "Oh my god, it's light out!" Like we had we had no yeah. idea what. I no, mean, I think we opened them and it was dark out again. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we <laughs> didn't see the sun all day. I mean, it was, it was Alberta so in December. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But yeah, though, just to have one day like that, I think would be. Oh my awesome. god, that's that's a, a ways away for us in the future for sure. I don't know, but one thing I'll say from a quality of life too, man, like Twitter, like not having it on the phone, I think would be great. Like I. Personally, yeah. I guess there's some days where you're just with the COVID news and, you know, f- this threat of that restriction, all that stuff. We're not going to get into it because it will go in a rabbit hole. But yeah. uh, just being away from it, I think it has a lot of uh, value in, p- in terms of people's. Yeah. Well-being. Oh, 
you know what I was going to say about that too is um, one thing that's worked for me. Again, this is just very personal advice. Although this does go back to like some behavioral psychology, is having a substitute for yourself. So when you would typically, I mean, this is just like eating, right? Like if you typically go for the chips, having I don't know some like low carb salty snack or something like that 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 replaces that. Um, so with the phone, if you typically reach for your phone before bed or after the kids go down or after dinner, and that's when you find yourself scrolling, find yourself something else that you can do with your hands and your mind during that time. So are you reading a book? Do you have an actual book of like crossword puzzles, like, like a paper and pencil type book of crossword puzzles or word search, or we do a lot of, um, when we try to turn screens off, we play cards with the kids a lot or games with the kids. So having a few of those things around that are your go-to, and then it has to be a conscious choice to choose that, but you're not saying, okay, I'm going to put away the phone and God, I'm bored. What am I going to do? You say, okay, I'm going to put away the phone and do this, you know? That's a really good point. I never, uh, I didn't think that hard about that. Like your, your option, your alternative, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, cause the I've been just, I've been just straight up willpowering it. Maybe yeah, doing, that's hard, right? Maybe just doing a push up or two. Oh, God. <laughs> that's like your go-to for everything. You're like, I'm going to go punch the boxing bag. Oh, that has been, oh, that, that that's good. Investment. Actually. Oh my God. Remember the boxing gym? Yeah. Yeah. That was like the best stress relief. When we were at that boxing gym. Shout out to final round. Never been in better shape in my life. That's true. Actually, everyone comment on my arms back then, like how cut they were. Like that's gone. Oh man, you punching the, you doing those like, uh, what are they called? Um, Speed punch. No, but when you do like 20 seconds on 10 seconds off, uh, what's that drill called? Anyway, when you do that for like a full boxing class, Mm -hmm. how your shoulder's not going to be delicious. No, it's good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, no, for real. And stress relief, right? Like, yeah. Totally. And like a sense of accomplishment. You, um, okay. Those workouts were good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Listen, uh, how do you deal with toxic people in the work environment? What should you do? This one, I can't, you got to take on first because I, I don't think my answers are yeah, you politically just correct. <laughs> what the hell you said to me, son? <laughs> don't make me take off my shirt. I'm going to go medieval on you. you know what's, what that, what's that? Doo-loo, doo-loo. He's like. Oh, the doo-loo, doo-loo. Yeah. Chappelle? Yeah. What does he say? How are you going to take a look this son? <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what we're talking about. No, no, no one knows. Yeah, no one the knows Chappelle that. show. Look it up. Okay. So, uh, toxic people in the workplace. Yeah. So I'm a big, no drama person. And like, even in the workplace, I'd say sometimes I come across a little bit cold. Um, and I think that's also Chappelle. Um, it's, uh, it's, and I think it's because, well, one is because like, I talk to people all day for my job. Like that's what I do. So when I have a break at work, like I really just don't feel like talking to anyone, like I'm kind of maxed out and just need like internal time. But, um, the other, the other thing is that like, I, I don't like, I don't like drama at all. I'm really averse to it. And, um, So my uh, take on it is your number one tool is always just to walk away. And there is nothing more effective 
like I've done this, but I've also had other people do this when I'm in a situation where I'm talking with someone and that other person is bringing drama and talking gossip about the workplace. And I'm feeling like, how do I get out of this? And like the third party, the third person there, not me or the other person talking about drama, but but that third party just like turns and walks away. Like there's nothing more effective than that. It's a super poignant way to say like, I'm just not, I'm not engaging in this. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you can always do that, but if it's happening around you and you don't need to be there at that moment, or you don't need to participate in it, even if you need to be there to do something else, but you can walk away for five minutes, just walk away. Like don't say anything and just walk away. Um, Setting boundaries is huge uh, with people like that. So I've heard people talk about sharing uh, offices or lunchrooms or things like that with people who have a lot of drama or are toxic. And again, just setting boundaries with how much time you're with that person. So if you share an office with them, uh, you know, maybe you talk with your manager, whoever else, if you can switch out, if there's another place where you can do some work, um, you know, just whatever you need to do. Uh, if it's a lunch room thing, then finding a different place to eat lunch. I can guarantee you if you find that person toxic, then there will be other people that find them toxic. So maybe just finding someone else who you know is kind of like-minded is kind of having difficulty with that person and uh, saying, hey, do you want to eat lunch outside when we can together and just seeing if you can get away from it. Um, and then uh, the, other, the other stuff is sort of more psychological, the other tips I had. Um, I mean, obviously, okay, if someone's really, really toxic, you might have to report something, you know what I mean? Like if it's abusive or harassing in nature, like you can think about that if you have the support of a manager for that. But um, the other thing is if someone's really, this is a tool I use a lot. You see me use this a lot, hun. If someone's really in a bad way, like they're mean and they're negative and they're harsh with other people, they're usually hurting inside underneath that in some way. They're in pain, they're stressed, they're maxed out, they're burnt out, they're, uh, they're dealing with hard times or whatever. So I'm not saying it makes it okay what they're doing, but sometimes if we can take that perspective on them, it helps to soften our response to it. You know, it helps to ease that a little bit for ourselves. So we kind of just have a little bit of empathy that like, I know they're going through a really tough time and, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave them to do their thing over there. It just kind of makes it a little bit, it's more the psychological part of it. So you're not tensing up with them so much, but you're just more easeful with it. Um, and then the other psychological part is just remembering that you don't have to be friends with everyone. So you literally don't have to be nice to these people. Like you don't, you, you know, they're not, they're not, you can be, you can be empathic within yourself, but if they're harsh and toxic with you and they're dragging you into some negativity, you literally can be like, I don't want to hear that and walk away. It's okay to not be friends with everyone. It's okay to not be nice. And, and that's, that's sort of the last two tips I have on that. Yeah. I think that's much better. All that advice is much better than anything I have to offer. I, I mean, I, I gotta say like, I've been thinking a lot about this though, because of going into more leadership positions and I just, I don't know necessarily the best way to approach this, but just making it clear that this is not part of our culture, like to be able to, um, like heavily on the negativity to, to, you know, whether that's being disrespectful behavior, uh, whether that's towards 
anybody around the team or fam, like whoever it might be, it's just like, it's not tolerated. The culture here is not, that is not accepted. Um, and, you know, I, maybe it, it starts with that, that shift in mindset. But I, I like what you say, though, about just walking away. It's probably the best way. Just, I mean, that's a lot. It's a, it's a pretty, uh, like, loud comment of, like, walking away. It's like, I got to say that one story. We were on this mommy group. Not mommy group. This parent group. And uh, there was, like, it was early in COVID. And there were just some people being so judgy on it. And I remember I was, like, I was about to get, you know, gloves were about to come off. Mommy just like left the group and it just says Catherine Karamantang left. And I remember I was at work even. I'm like, oh, mommy just dropped the mic big time, yo. She was like, enough of this horseshit. And I tell you, this tone changed completely. Everyone softened. Everyone was just like, you know what? Maybe we need to think about what we're saying and how we're talking to each other. And uh, I was still on that group, I think, actually. So what? You're still on that group, aren't you? Yeah. But yeah. it's like dead. Like you, no one yeah. says anything on it. Yeah. But like, uh, holy cow, was that ever fresh when that mic dropped? Oh my! Yeah, I for, I forgot about that. But that's basically the equivalent of doing that in person. You know, is that like, a, and and I think I defended something that you said or someone else said, and then that, and then the person who was being quite critical jumped back on, and and I think they were actually. Um, anyways, they said something really judgy and negative. Yeah. And, uh, and I, yeah, I was just in my mind, I was just like, I don't want to have this in my life right now. That was during the first lockdown. And I was like, this is clearly not going to be good for mental health. And I think it's the same principle when you're with someone in person, I was going to say what you said, hun, about, um, the leadership thing. If you're in a leadership position, you can do that, right? You can say, this is not the culture that we're going to accept. If you're not in a leadership position, this is where I've heard people struggle with this more because sometimes they go to the leader and the leader is either friends with the person who's toxic that often happens. And that's why it's allowed to continue and fester really. Um, or, or the leader is is inadequate as a leader. They're not willing to step up. Maybe they're too stressed or overwhelmed, which happens in healthcare, and uh, and they just don't want to deal with it at that level, or they don't have support from their higher ups to be able to deal with it. it. Can be a tough position for the leader to be in too. But I think where it's more of a struggle is when you're not in that leadership position and you don't have support from your leaders, because if you can report it up and it gets dealt with, that's like an easy fix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, or sometimes it's your leader who's toxic. So yeah, when it's those, yeah. So when it's those situations, I think that's when you have to take it more in your own hands and think more about, I'm not going to change the system. I'm not going to change this person. I can't get them out of their job. I can't, you know, whatever, but I can, you don't have control over their behavior. We don't have control over anyone else's behavior, but we have control over our own, you know, so you can say, I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm going to walk away. It's like that book you sent me that was that one, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, concentration camp one, or they the choice. Like, yeah, yeah. The, I know it's not. It seems like an extreme example, but just the, the 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 main like thesis is how much, no matter what's going on, they can't control your thoughts or what goes. How you, they can't control your mind or whatever. And uh, I don't know. After you can't read that and not, um, what's the word like not that not affect you and not be impacted. Yeah. I mean, that, that book is one of the most impactful books I've read uh, in my life um, and read it recently. And I read her second book to the gift. Oh, was it good? The second one? The second one was good. It was more like guideposts, like almost like Brene Brown style, like guideposts for, for how to, 
Yeah, Brene. Um, but um, but the, the author is Edith Eager, and she is a concentration and an Auschwitz survivor. Went in as a child, lost her mother and the rest of her family. I think one or two sisters survived or something. And uh, anyways, the choice is about her story. But she later became a psychologist, like late in life became a psychologist in the States after immigrating there. And uh, just has a world of... Um, of perspective. Yeah. I mean, really like who better to give you perspective on the choices that you have in life in difficult times to get through things. And uh, anyway, yeah, that, that book was really good. It was good. It was the yeah. first like memoir kind of one I've listened to in a long time. Yeah. I even did. I even slowed it down. I stopped listening at double speed. I was like, this is too. Yeah. You miss too. stuff, right? Sometimes when you go too high speed. Well, your brain works faster. Than no, it's just, uh, it just, you're just not absorbing. I mean, maybe you're just not absorbing it as much, I guess. Like you're not. It's an emotional book. Yeah. So you, is, yeah. when you listen at high speed, you miss some of the emotion. That's true. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's fair. So yeah. I, it was 1.6. Um, listen, this is part, this is the first part of our uh, Q&A. I hope you guys really enjoyed this. SolvingWellness.com, where we're changing the boogie, really doing our best to manage healthcare uh, burnout. Go to SolvingWellness.com, check it out. Um, follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook at Quadcast. Leave any comments at Quadcast99 at gmail.com. This is where you'll, uh, where we could be most interactive as well. But uh, you guys, thanks for listening. We're going to do this again for real. <laughs> Bye.